0: Welcome to the Potter's House Community Church's podcast. Join us weekly as we feature our Sunday sermons. The Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus Christ. We hope today's message encourages you as we dive into God's Word, so grab your favorite drink and let's listen to today's sermon. show me your mysteries, my God want people to know the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, regardless of uh, their language, regardless of uh, their background, their culture, whatever, we want everyone to be able to hear and know the good news of Jesus. The fact that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. Um, I mean, you ever think about that? If you're a Christian, like it almost seems too good to be true because it it really kind of is because God is just that good to us that he would send his one and only son to die on a cross after living a sinless life, dying on a cross, paying the punishment for sin, and that he would rise again three days later, purchasing our redemption that he would do all of that for us. It's grace. Grace means a gift. It's something he just gives to us. It's not something that, that we earned. It's not something that we're good enough for. It's not something he did out of any inefficiency or inadequacy on his part, but it's something he did out of love for us that he gives us that and he did that for us. And the fact that ever since that good and perfect gift was given and mankind and the enemy have been trying to find ways to distort it and to corrupt it. Because it is, it's a free gift. It's a free gift of God's goodness bestowed on us. But we want to come up with ways that maybe we could earn it. We want to we take the good news of the gospel and we'll say, yeah, that plus this, right? Like I do my part, like I do as much as I can, but yeah, I mess up some. So that little part where I mess up, I'll let him cover that, but the rest of it's me. But in reality, what it is, is even our best is what scripture calls is filthy rags. That's the Bible's way of saying, use toilet paper. That's what scripture calls our best. The best we can do is before God. It's like use toilet paper. And so we have an enemy who does want to decrease the glory that God gets from it all. Because that's what ultimately is at stake is it all goes back to him. He gets the praise and the glory. And so this enemy comes up with ways that... We can somehow earn the gift, ways that we can somehow be responsible, that we can think, oh, this was us. And this is man-made religion. Ways that we can make ourselves right with God on our own. It's what basically every world religion boils down to. Is do this, don't do that. I'm going to earn my way to God. I'm going to make myself right with God in some way, whatever way, even how I even define who God is or whatever, or or even believing that there is no God or whatever, like all of it ultimately boils down to, I'm going to have this set of moral code, or we will as a culture, as a society, in which we say that this is what is right, right? But the reality is, is what Paul says in Galatians 5.1 is true. I don't know if I threw that one on the screen or not. But Galatians 5.1 says this. For freedom, Christ has set us free. When the grace of Jesus Christ has come to your life, you have been set free. You've been set free from rules and religion and bondage and all of these things, and you've been set free to live for Christ, to live for his glory, to advance his kingdom. And it's it's always the temptation, and it has been from the very beginning, and that's why we have so much of it in the New Testament, is we want to come in and we want to add on, and we want to take our freedom, and we trade it for rules and regulations. We trade it for different things. In our passage today in Colossians, uh, Colossians 2, I'll be starting um, in verse 16. Uh, in our passage today, it's one of those passages where, for Christians, if we're honest, this passage is going to step on our toes a little bit. Okay? Um, I, I, as I was writing this sermon, I was like, man, this is one of those sermons that has the opportunity to offend everybody. Like whatever side you land on, there's a good chance you, your toes get stepped on in this one because uh, what Paul covers here really hits all the bases on ways that we can go wrong in this area and ways that we can, we can go to this side or that side. And, uh, and so I want us to, to go into it knowing that, hey, that's, sometimes that's a really good thing is if scripture t- steps on your toes because it helps you. It helps you to see where you do need that correction, where you do need that different understanding. So let's jump in. Colossians 2, 16 and 17. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So what's he dealing with here? He's dealing with people that Either it was Jewish people that it came, came in and started teaching the, the people of Colossians. Yeah, Jesus, but also you need to take on, oh, here's all of these food restrictions in the Old Testament, right? Like, have you read this stuff? Like, don't eat this, don't eat that. We need to add all that on. Um, oh yeah, we have all these festivals as well um, that you have to, have to celebrate. So like Passover, all these things, like we, we gotta add that on to you as well. Um, so you gotta start doing, doing that as well. Um, oh yeah, the Sabbath, uh, you really need to follow that as well. Um, we need to add this on to Jesus. We need to add this on to his grace. Is this whole list of legalism and rules and regulations. And thankfully, the New Testament as a whole, especially on this list, really clarifies for us a lot of these things. And uh, especially when it comes to the food and drink thing, I'm very glad Jesus like changed that one, right? Like, I like bacon. I'm just telling you, like, like it's good. Bacon is good, right? Um, and Jesus explained it this way in Mark seven. Um, He said, and he he called the people to him and said to them, hear me, all of you and understand there's nothing outside a person that is, that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come, come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, "Uh, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? since it enters into his heart but his stomach and is expelled thus he declared all foods clean and so jesus in this passage is saying like hey yeah every it, this whole don't eat this don't eat that thing like no, it doesn't really make you more or less godly, more or less holy or anything like that. Um, scripture cleared this up even more after Jesus rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. And Peter was, um, has this vision where a, a blanket comes down with all these unclean animals. And, um, and he's told, take and eat. And he's like, I've nev- God, why would I do that? I've never, I'm a good Jewish boy. I've never done that my whole life. I've never eaten this kind of stuff. And God says, what I've made clean, don't call unclean. And so scripture is pretty clear on all of these dietary laws that those things are, are no longer something that as Christians we have to worry about. But what about these festivals? What about adding on, oh, we need to follow Passover, Feast of Booths, etc., etc., etc. And the question for that is what was the purpose of these? The purpose of these things in the Old Testament Was a way for the people to pass on to the next generation the memory of what God had done for them. Not only what he had already done, but also what his promises were for the future. And so, as you look at the Passover, the whole point, the whole central point of the Passover was what? It all leads to the lamb, the lamb that was the substitute. The lamb that its blood was on the doorpost that said the the angel of death did not come into this house. It did not take the firstborn of the Israelites because they were covered by the blood of the lamb. What does that point us forward to? The ultimate Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, who his blood covers us all. And, and so when we come to these things, we, we no longer need to celebrate or follow these festivals and, and these things. Why? Because they are just a glimpse. As Paul says here, they're a shadow. Jesus is the substance. If you've got the substance, if you've got the real thing, why would you trade it for a shadow? I mean, if you want to do the shadow thing to help understand the substance, okay, good for you. But don't put that expectation on anybody else. Because the deal is is that when you have Jesus, you have the real thing. You have the substance. The same is true with, with the Sabbath. So the Jews had all of these rules relating to the Sabbath. Sabbath being seventh day of the week, meaning Saturday. Many Christians today will add on these rules, and we have whole denominations relating to Sabbath, seventh day, seventh day, fill in the blank. Um, You might have heard of some of these. And so the Sabbath rules, one thing about it, nowhere in the New Testament do we ever see any commands to follow the Sabbath, and in fact, we have passages like this saying, hey, you don't have to heap these Sabbath things onto you. You don't need to add that legalism on to the gospel and grace of Jesus Christ. You don't have to add on that. You don't need that. Now, does it, is it scripturally still true that, yeah, God rested on the seventh day and as mankind, we need rest and we should set aside time to rest? Yes, absolutely. I'm not negating that at all. Um, rest is a good thing. You need it. But when we take that and we make it into all of these rules and regulations to add on to the grace of Jesus Christ, then we're taking the substance and we're trading it for a shadow. And so when you have the real deal, you don't want to trade it for a shadow. And and what did Jesus say about this? So you might be saying, well, okay, Wayne, but... It is in the Bible, right? Like these things are still in the Bible. So, so shouldn't, we, shouldn't we follow them? Well, let's look at what Jesus said in Matthew 5. In Matthew 5, 17, Jesus says this. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So what Jesus is saying is, hey, yeah, those things, they're still part of God's word. They're still there. You can still learn from them. You can still get good things from them. But here's the deal. I fulfilled them. They're completed. All of that Old Testament system of bringing sacrifices, following festivals, doing this, doing that, completed, done, marked, checked, full, done. Jesus did it all in his life and we don't need to add anything to what Jesus did. So it's marked, complete. It's marked, paid in full. It is done. And so what I... If we, if we take a way of, of, of summarizing these things that Paul is warning about here, about being added onto the gospel, I'd say in this first section, we could categorize these things as legalism. Where we set up our laws and our rules on top of the grace of Jesus Christ and we add those things on. And Paul is saying, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you based on legalism. Don't let anyone try to disqualify you, discredit you based on these man-made rules and religion and all of these things. But he goes on. So if that didn't step on your toes, get ready. Verse 18, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. So what's he warning about here? He's warning about over-spirituality. These people that they'll say, yeah, the gospel of Jesus, yeah, the word of God. Okay, yeah, that's good. But I had this experience. I had this vision. You know what? I am so holy and so humble that I don't even think that I can worship God himself. So instead, I'm just gonna worship angels because they're like below God. And so I'm gonna be even more humble than worshiping God, and I'm I'm just going to worship angels. And I know we've had a lot of fun around here over the past few weeks uh, on the theme of angels, <laughs> relating to whether or not uh, they sing or not. Um, and we can have fun with those things, but what's not a laughing matter, and what's not a joke, is who we worship. And if any point our worship starts to be directed towards angels, then we are way off base. Because angels are just another created being just like us. Here's some facts from scripture. I'm just going to give you kind of some summaries over who angels are in scripture. First, there are good ones and there are bad ones. Wait, wait, wait. Bad angels? Yeah, that's, that's the demons. They're fallen angels. Same, same created being as angels. Some of them fell following Lucifer, who was an archangel. So if you think of like Satan being like, oh, it's Satan versus Jesus. Well, no. Jesus is way up here. Satan's way down here. He's on the level with, with Michael. Okay? Like he is not on the level with Jesus. He is far far inferior to Jesus. So we see that there are good ones and there are bad ones. Another thing we see is the good ones are always carrying out the will of God. They're either delivering a message, communicating something about him. They're around his throne praising him, whether that's by spoken word or song. (laughs) They're around his throne praising him, giving him glory They're also soldiers. These are are not little cute little cuddly things. Every time they show up and mankind can see them, what do they say? Don't be afraid. Why? Because they're freaking scary. (laughs) So they say, Don't be afraid, don't don't be afraid, don't fear. But also, there is places in scripture where you should fear them because they are there to execute God's justice. They bring punishment. They bring wrath. These are mighty beings. But another thing we can see from scripture is the fact that the good ones will not accept worship. And Revelation, uh, Revelation 22, um, after John's had this whole big vision and everything, it says this, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets. And with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. See, angels, the good ones, they're always pointing towards God. They're saying, hey, worship him. He's the one worthy of worship. He gets the worship. He gets the praise, not us. On the flip side, the bad ones try to steal worship from God. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is being tempted by Satan, which who is Satan? We just covered this. Who's the devil? He's a fallen angel. This is, this is a fallen angel that is interacting with Jesus. And Matthew 4, Nikki, do we have that back up there? says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Jesus is given this, this temptation of So you want all the kingdoms of the world? You want all the people to come to you? Here's all you got to do. I'll turn them over to you if you just bow down and worship me. And Jesus says, no, you shall worship the Lord your God only, and only him should you serve. And so what does this mean? It means that we do not pray to angels. We do not worship them. They are created beings just as we are, as, that one, as the one says in Revelation to John, I'm a fellow servant with you. So as a Christian, we do not elevate angels in a higher place than they should be. And so while it might sound good to say, oh, we're worshiping these beings who, you know, they're in God's presence. They're like holy and stuff, right? And like like that, that could sound really good. But when you know scripture and you know God's word, you say, oh, no, that's bad. That's really bad. We don't do that. And yet throughout church history, we have a lot of history of Christians falling into doing just this. And it goes, he goes on beyond just worship of angels and he goes on in details about visions and i'll i'll hear this a lot today too of people who say well oh i had a vision of this or that and they put all of their weight and all of their faith and all of their stock in this vision and i'm not not saying that god can't bless you with visions i'm not saying that god can't give you uh visions that that speak into your life and and those kind of things But I am saying, when you elevate those things above the grace and goodness of the gospel, you've got a problem. When you elevate those things above the word of God, you've got a problem. Because, you know, let's be honest. Yeah, sometimes we can know, yeah, this is a vision from God. Sometimes you might have just eaten something really funky. You know? And so bacon, it's so good. Oh, Warren, Warren, Warren. Bacon and singing angels for Warren. So. But yeah, we can take these things and he, he mentions visions here. But so there's, there's others as well, where we can fall into this, what I just call over spirituality, it's all experiential and it's all like, this is what I feel. This is my emotion. This is my, my experience. And, and this is, this is what feels right to me. This is what feels good to me. And oh yeah, by the way, I'm not like those horrible legalists over there. Like they're just sticking to the Bible too closely. They're following all, all these rules and regulations too closely. I am, I am experiencing my freedom in Christ and I'm doing so in a mighty way where I just get to, based on my experience, I get to do all of this. So you can see how we have these two different errors that can so easily pull us. And I want to say both legalism and over-spirituality distort and add to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's a problem. And you know what's an even bigger problem? Is I can see both of these in me in the same day. And that's why this scripture steps on our toes. Because at the moment we think, oh, I've got this all figured out, you've already messed up. We need these constant reminders that take us back to the gospel, that take us back to the goodness of the grace of Jesus and what he has done for us. Because if not, yeah, we easily fall into either side of this, of over-spirituality or legalism. We can vacillate so easily between the two. But what is it that we need? What, where is their problem? Their problem is this, verse 19, and they're not holding fast to the head. Who is the head? The head is Jesus from whom the whole body nourished, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that is from God. He said, here's what you need. You need the head. You need Jesus. And when you're connected to the head, you're going to grow. You're going to flourish. You're going to do well. Life is going to be good for you. And if with Christ, you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? If you have died with Christ, if your soul has been knit together with him, you have been buried with him. Why on earth would you submit to these other regulations? Why would you add all of these things back on? One time I was talking to a mentor in ministry and I was asking for his advice. So I was dealing with a situation with um, some people who know the gospel, know the goodness of Jesus Christ, and yet they're wanting to go back and add on all of this Old Testament stuff, the, the festivals and rules and regulations and all on top of it, and and do all of those things, too. And I was asking him for his advice, and, and his advice was this, like, why on earth do they want to do that? Like, why why, why? why do you want to do that? Why do you want to add on... Those things, when you've got the freedom that's found in Christ. Why put all that on? And so we need to grow into the head that is Christ, and we're doing that, good things are going to happen. Verse 21. So, what are these other regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom. These things sound good in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Saying, hey, these things sound really good. Like, based on what we think, like man made religions, like, yeah, this checks the boxes. He's saying these things are not good. They have no value in actually doing what you need to be done. And he says another word here that uh, I had to look up the definition for, so I thought you might need it as well. But asceticism. He's warning against it. And he says, so what is asceticism? Asceticism is a voluntary abstention from the satisfaction of bodily and social needs, including food, drink, sexual activity, sleep, clothes, wealth, and social interaction for the purpose of gaining favor with God. And so what, what this means is, we, and we see this throughout church history as well, especially in the monastic tradition of like, there's one guy that I think like 20, 30 years, like he lived on top of a pole or something like that. I don't know. Um, And it was just to, like, put himself out there in the elements so that he would somehow be more holy because of it or something. I don't... Church history is crazy. And that's an extreme case. But it's easy for us to fall into this saying, Oh, well, if I void myself of this need or, or whatever, then I'm really saying that I'm more holy and I'm trying to gain God's favor by doing this. I'm going to deprive myself of this for God. And this is where things get tricky because we do see in scripture like teachings about fasting and those kind of things, because that's what fasting is, but it's for a set time and a period and and just for the sake of of growing closer to God in that time period. It's not this that, hey, I am actually making myself more holy by doing this thing, okay? And so that's the big difference. And so what he's saying is, hey, you guys are actually doing this as a a third way you're messing up. So we've got legalism, we've got over-spirituality, and now we've got asceticism. Um, And so we've got the rules, and we've got the abuse of freedom, and then we've got um, the abuse of body, And Paul's saying all these things are not good. He says, in fact, they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. The sin that still creeps, the sin that is the problem, he's saying these things are not going to fix the problem. The only solution to the problem is Jesus. Jesus is only found through grace, which is a free gift through faith. Not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. In Romans 10, Paul's talking about his fellow Jews and how they missed out on the Savior, and their problems were maybe the same problems that he's addressing here in Colossians. So let's not be guilty of these. Let's read what he says. Romans 10. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. They have a zeal, they're spiritual, they have a spirituality, but not according to knowledge. It's not based on the truth. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. They're keeping their rules and their regulations, and they're not trading it for the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which is only found in him. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Jesus is the answer. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his goodness. We thank you for his grace. We thank you for the way that you restore us through him. Thank you that your name is above every name and that all glory and honor comes back to you. Lord, as we take take of the elements today, I pray that you do just meet us here in this place. Show us any area in our life where there, there is error, where there needs to be correction where we need to come back into alignment with you. And pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Feel free to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review and share with others. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at www.potterschurch.ca or you can connect with us also on social media. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of our weekly sermon series. We hope that you have such an amazing rest of your day.